I got a question for you. Have you ever felt sometimes like just giving up? I mean, I'm not trying to sound cliche or anything. I'm just simply saying, have you ever really felt sometimes like just giving up? You look around and it seems like people who probably aren't even thinking about God or not even concerned with living good lives or they just not even a care in the world and somehow they seem to be doing just fine. And here it is, you're trying to do the best that you can, live your best life and do everything and it seems like you're just going uphill and with every time you take two steps forward, it's like you've taken three or four back and you just feel like giving up. As hard as you try, you can't seem to get to the place where you can just find peace and rest. And then you ask yourself, if you're a believer or a Christian like me, you say to yourself, is this what the Christian life is supposed to be like? It seems like when we committed ourselves and gave our hearts to the Lord and decided to live a godly life, it seems like all hell just started breaking loose around us and you never seem to ever catch up. I, I, I wonder if sometimes when we think about it, we say to ourselves, is, is this what we signed up for? I mean, the scriptures are clear when, when the Bible says that, that we are a friend of God. Yeah. I, I, I thought I was a child of God yeah. and, and that I would be receiving the blessings of Abraham. All of these things the scriptures tell us and, and you kind of wonder, when is that ever going to happen for me? Mm. Mm. Scripture says we are a royal priesthood a chosen generation, a holy nation. This is what the scriptures say about us. It says we are blessed and highly favored of God and, and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And even if we are sick in our bodies, the scriptures tell us by his stripes we are healed. And, and we know all of these scriptures and we repeat them to ourselves over and over again. But when we take a stop and look at our circumstances, we, 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 we don't seem to be where we thought we would be at this stage in our lives. We, we, we can't seem to pay our bills and, and make ends meet. Some of us, we can't even get our children and the people we know to, to just do what they say they will do. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 we are single and sometimes we figure out when am I going to find that special someone for me. I'm just saying we get into this place where, where, where we're just kind of wondering is this what the Christian life is supposed to be like? And I ask the question again, do you ever sometimes feel like giving up? But the real question that we often ask in the midst of all of our challenges and our struggles, the real question that many of us ask is, where are you, God? Where are you? Where is the abundant life that you promised to each and every one of us? Somehow, Lord, this just doesn't make any sense. Why is it that it seems like just when we decide to start doing the right things, it seems like it gets harder and harder and harder, and the more you get over one hurdle, you realize that there's ten more that you got to get through. Like, what is really going on with this life of faith? 
I mean, I'm just asking honest questions because many of us, we love to go around pretending as if everything is so good and God is so wonderful in our lives when meanwhile, secretly, we're wondering, where are you, God? I understand that we all come to this place and we ask these kinds of questions. And it's for this reason why I want us to take a look at our scripture today, which comes from the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and the first to the second verses. I want us to take a look at this scripture in the context of all that I've just shared. Here is what the, 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 the writer to the Hebrews said. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now sits down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to preach today from the subject, stay the course. Stay the course. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we have now come to the preaching hour. We've offered you our resources, our money, our tithes, our gifts. We've offered even unto you our prayers and our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to you. God, we have given you all of us today. Now, God, speak back to us through your manservant. No one came to hear me, O oh God. They came to hear you. So even in my imperfections, may your strength be made perfect in my weakness. And may the words that I speak penetrate the heart that needs to know that you are God. Speak to people right where they are, that they may now be moved to the point where they now take action in faith. This we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Before I... Go into the text. I want to tell you a little story. And uh, you'll, you'll see where I'm going after a while. When I used to work for uh, Verizon, spent 16 years working for Verizon, and I started out as a technician. I was climbing telephone poles and going down in manholes and things of that nature. Anyway, I did that for about five years. And somewhere around towards the end of the fifth year, um, my supervisor came to me and he said, hey, Hugh, you know, um, I think that you are really, really suited for this job that's opening up in management. You see, I was a technician in the union, and he thought that I would be a really good manager. And there was a job in engineering that he thought was really good for me. So I didn't really, you know, out of being scared, I kind of didn't really want to apply. But on the other hand, I kind of wanted to apply. And so I applied for the job, and, um, and I was able to secure an interview. So I went to the interview dressed in a nice suit, and I sat down, and the interview lasted about two hours. It's supposed to be about an hour, but it lasted two hours because we were in conversation and talking, and it was a really good, I mean, I walked away from that interview feeling so good about myself. I felt like, wow, this was mine for the taking. The interviewer, she said to me that, you know, I should hear from her in about two weeks, all right? So I went, all right. Now, I went back to doing what I normally did. Two weeks passed, and I heard nothing. Another week passed, and I heard nothing. 
So I went to my boss and I said to him, you know, I haven't heard anything, you know, I, I don't know what happened. They said they would have gotten back to me in two weeks, I heard nothing. And he says, well, give it one more week and if you don't hear from them then, I would recommend that you give them a call. So I waited. During that week, the phone rang. It was the interviewer. She called me and she said to me, um, Mr. Marriott, I just want you to know that you interviewed extremely well. And I want you to know, though, that you are not the candidate selected. Now, I was heartbroken, and I went back to my tools. And like any of you, I would say, I say what y'all were thinking, would be thinking. <laughs> I ain't want that stupid job anyway. I ain't even really want it. It's my boss who told me to go get it. And if I really wanted it, I would have gotten it. But because I didn't get it, it's because I really didn't want it. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, that's how y'all act like, that's not how y'all think. Listen, I'm an honest pastor, right? I keep it real. I was just so mad, I was mad, I was mad, I was mad at the world. I went there and I was fixing people's telephone, telephones and I just wouldn't fix one. Let them call back. I was so mad. I mean, listen, I take action when I'm mad. I was mad. Now, don't tell anybody that I said that, but I'm just saying, I was really upset. And the point is, is that I was very disappointed. And it's in those moments where you said, well, you know what? It, it, it's maybe, maybe it's not for me. I'm not going to apply for any more jobs. I'm not going to do anything again. That's the end of the story. I'm over. I'm going to work this telephone pole until I'm blue in the face. About two weeks later, I get another phone call from the same interviewer. And she said, Mr. Marriott, the reason why you did not get the job that you interviewed for was because you interviewed so well that I knew there was another opening that you would have probably been better suited for, which is even better than the job you applied for. Amen. And I was like this. Because in my mind, because in my mind, I was like, because I, I really wanted it. <laughs> I was not honest with myself in the moment, right? But when she called again and said that the job was far better and much more suited to the skill set that I presented when I interviewed, really, really blew my mind. So I did what everyone would do. I, I didn't need to interview again because I already interviewed for the job. I went and I started. And then, you know what I, would, what I did, right? After I got the job and I was really happy with it, I walked over to the department for the job that I was interviewing for originally because I want to see who got it. <laughs> Cheese it. The reason why I tell you that story in the context of staying the course is because very often when we go through difficulties and challenges in our lives and when things don't really work out the way that we would like them to work out, it doesn't mean that it's something bad. It just simply means that you don't know the whole story. Amen. You don't know the end from the beginning. You don't know what God has in store for you. And for all intents and purposes, you may have been rejected from something because God has something better in store for you. If your sights become so limited in what's right in front of you, then you are missing out on all that God has in store for you. What I'm saying to you is that sometimes we look at rejection as a bad thing when we don't understand the providence of God. 
Many of us, if we, were, if we are really honest with ourselves, we are so glad that some of the things that we wanted in life early days past, we're glad that we didn't get it now. We're glad that it didn't work out the way that we had planned it and wanted it. Why? Because the idea is that you don't know what's good or what's best for you. And as much as you may be in control of your circumstances and the things going on in your life, I want you to understand that we serve a God who actually knows exactly what you need. The challenge with all of us is that we like to play God because the moment a little pressure comes around us that we don't like or that we don't enjoy, the first thing we want to do is to quit, give up, or to retreat. And what I'm saying to you, church, is that we as a people have come from way too far to quit now. Doesn't matter who's in the White House, we've come from way too far. To quit now. Doesn't matter what they say on your jobs. We've come from way too far to quit now. God has something in store for all of us. And as he says in the book of Jeremiah, he says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Many of us seem to project onto God the things that are going on in our lives that we don't like as if it's God's fault. Let's be clear. Most of the struggles and the challenges that we are facing in our lives is not God's fault. What it is, is that you, we don't often take responsibility for the choices we have made. Often it's our own disobedience that has placed us in a place because God said do this and we don't like this. So we want to do that because that feels good in the moment. Are you that kind of believer? Are you that kind of Christian where unless you're getting pleased or getting your ears tickled right now, then you believe that's all there is for you. God has more for us than what we see. But the challenges. The challenge is, is that because we can't touch it, see it, or feel it, we don't believe it's real. My entire career in Verizon, I could spend the rest of the sermon talking to you about how wonderful God has been in my entire career. But it began, right? I rose to the level of an executive in the phone company. But it began with a rejection. Your resurrection sometimes is going to come through some kind of struggle. We have to understand that while we can sit here as believers, as Christians, as people who have faith in a God who sees and hears and understands, you have to understand that it came at a cost. And when Jesus hung on that cross, he died. But there was a resurrection. So the question becomes for all of us here today, what cross are you carrying right now? Because the cross that you carry right now is not as heavy as it could be. And so God is saying, I am with you. I'm walking with you through the valleys and through the mountains, through the highways and the byways, through the good times and through the bad times. I am walking with you. I'm helping you carry your burden because you don't have to carry it alone. The problem is we think that because our burdens may be a little heavier than someone else's, that we are not favored by God. Hear me clearly. And I want you to hear me in your spirits. The harder your struggle, the harder the, the pressure you feel, the greater the victory. 
the greater the deliverance. The greater is the magnitude of what God has for you. So the problem is stop complaining about what you don't have because God is getting ready to give you something even greater. So I want to read the text again just so you understand. It said, for the joy set before him, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, now, now I want to ask you a real simple question. I'm asking a lot of questions in this message. <laughs> I just noticed that. If you knew that your place was going to be seated at the right hand of the throne of God, if you knew right now that that's where you're going to be, that you're going to be in this place of honor, but it requires that you die to yourself, would you, be, would you do it willingly? Most of you may say yes. But I want to tell you that it's easy to say yes in church until you're carrying the cross of your death. It's easy to say, yeah, I, I, could, I, I could do that until the rubber meets the road and then temptation and pressure is knocking right at your door. It is easy to say, yes, I can handle it. It is easy to say, listen, the disciples turn to Jesus. I want to sit at your right hand and I want to sit at your left. And Jesus says, can you drink the cup from which I will be drinking? And they go, oh, yes, we can. Really? To carry the whole weight of sin and, 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 and damnation and, and all of the pressure of all of the evil in the world. Can you carry it? Listen, we can't even handle you know, an injection at the doctors. Some of us. <laughs> I ain't talking about me, I'm just saying. <laughs> Some of us don't like needles. But we want to carry crosses. I'm just saying. And let me show you the hypocrisy, Eve, of how far this goes. If, depending on the circle we're in, some of us, we'd go out to lunch with our co-workers. And we're sitting down to eat. And the food comes. And you don't want to pray and let your friends, your co-workers, see you pray. Because you don't want them to say nothing and you're ashamed. You all know what I'm talking about. You can't even carry that cross. Meanwhile, you want to carry Jesus' cross. I'm just saying. So the author of the book of Hebrews presents us with what we call a dualistic view. What I mean by that is that what you see is it pales in comparison to the reality of the spirit world. Listen, there is the world of the spirit and the supernatural, and then there is the world of the natural, which is what you and I see every day. Now, let me make sure that you understand what I'm saying. Practically speaking, if you see a person who's overweight, you know right away that there is something unhealthy about being overweight, right? You would agree. Now, you can look at that person and you can say, well, why don't you just stop eating? Well, if they could, they would, right? Or if someone who doesn't, who's addicted to smoking and just can't stop smoking, whatever the issues are. Because the idea is that what you're seeing is a physical manifestation of something that's already happening spiritually. The person who's probably having a hard time with eating or dieting probably has an issue of self-esteem. 
And so the more you tell them, stop eating, stop eating, stop eating, you're talking, you're appealing to the natural. And so as pastors, whenever we're meet, meeting with persons and we're trying to help them get through challenges, we don't focus on the behavior or the physical. We try to get into the heart and the spiritual world. Because if when she or he was growing up, someone may have said, oh, you know, you're just a big fat dummy when you were growing up in school. You have any idea what that does to a person's spirit? as they continue to grow and mature. And then you see them now, and they can't let go of the fact that they were bullied or abused as a child. And what you're seeing is a physical manifestation of a problem that has happened spiritually. The Bible tells us that what we do not see is far greater than the things that do appear. So when you see people having challenges or struggles, do understand that they may want to help themselves or they may want to get help, but something is wrong in the spirit world. And so the Bible tells us that we need to pay attention to the spirit world. Now, we are grateful that we serve a God, Jesus himself, who now forms the bridge between the physical world and the spiritual world. Jesus, by becoming man, took on the form of the physical, did what we couldn't do in the natural so that he could now have the authority to do what needs to be done in the spiritual so every time that you and I are faced with some challenges or difficulty in our lives, every time that we are having some kind of physical problem in our lives, every time that we are dealing with an issue that is beyond our control, all we have to do, as the scriptures remind us, is to call on the name of Jesus. Because what you would have done is you would have moved from the physical into the world of the spirit. And when you've moved into the world of the spirit, God who sees, loves, and cares for you now sees Jesus' son who covers you now and says, now I must bring healing to your soul. The problem is many of us just don't believe. And if we struggle with unbelief, then how, if I don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and if I don't believe that God can do what he says he can do, how then can I ask for any gifts? Whether they are spiritual or not. I know when I was growing up, I used to go to my dad, and I would ask my father for certain things. I'd ask, I loved playing soccer when I was growing up, and I'd say to my dad, I'd love a pair of soccer cleats. Now, I don't go to my father asking for soccer cleats thinking that it's not in his power to give it. I don't go to him wondering whether or not it's his heart's desire to give it. I go to my father with all confidence knowing that he gives good gifts. And the same thing happens with our Heavenly Father, who loves you more than you know. How could you go to your father and ask him for, 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 for bread and he turns around and gives you snakes or scorpions? That's not the God we serve. We serve a God who recognizes that you want certain things in life. And he says, all you have to do is come to me in faith. If you come to me in faith, then you will have all of the things that you desire. The problem is many of us hear these things over and over, preach from pulpits after pulpits, but we just don't believe. We just don't believe. So in terms of expository preaching, let me read a little bit of what the book says. Now, we're going to turn a little bit to the 11th chapter of Hebrews. And let me read something for you in context. It says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, when we talk about faith, it is actually believing something that you cannot see, but accepting it as truth and reality. It said this, for by it, faith that is, men of old gained approval. 
The Bible tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So prior to Jesus coming, you had men of old who believed God for the things that they had not yet seen. And God counted this for them as righteousness. Let me give you some examples. By faith, we understand that the worlds that we see were prepared by the word of God. The book of Genesis says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible says that God said, let there be and there was. So the point is, you cannot even begin to scratch the surface of this thing called faith without accepting the reality that God is. The Bible says those who come to him must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So how can it be that you and I are looking for a reward from a God we don't believe? Why are you looking for good things from God, blaming God every time things fall apart in your life? God this, God didn't hook me up, God didn't do this. Meanwhile, meanwhile, all the time, you have been ignoring God. And now you want him when things are falling apart. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm talking about faith. It goes on to say, by faith, Abel, remember him? Offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And I'm just going through a few. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. Noah ain't never seen rain in his life. He don't even know what rain was. Couldn't even spell it. However, by faith, Noah went out and did something. Built a big old boat to house all the animals by faith. It goes on further to say, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed God. By going to a place that God says, I will show you. Abraham no, had no idea where he was going. Picked up his whole entire family, Reverend Brown, and, and took them to a place. He said to God, God, where are we going? God says, over there. Over there where? Just over there. I mean, are you willing to pick up your family, change your whole life to go somewhere that you have absolutely no idea where you're going? By faith. Let's continue. By faith. Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of his sons. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, right? When he was dying, what did he do? He made mention of the exodus. By faith, Moses led the people through the wilderness. By faith. So you've got all of these people by faith. It goes on further. And it says, and what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, <laughs> Samson. Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. The entirety of the Old Testament is a testimony and a witness to what people who did not yet see the promise of Jesus Christ, who lived for that day, still operated and acted in obedience by faith. And so now it says, by faith, all of these, I love this, who by faith, conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouth of lions, 
quench the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by the resurrection, others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. You get the point. What I'm saying is people who went through all of these kinds of persecution, not yet taking hold of the promise of God for themselves. What is it like for you to be going through something, looking forward to, to some kind of reprieve or peace or something, and it never comes? Do you then give up? Which then brings us to the chapter 12. After all of those people by faith, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, which means that all of the people who we know in the history of the Bible, all of the people who we know through Jim Crow and slavery and all of it, we stand on the shoulders of all of those who have gone before us, who by faith did not give up, did not give in, but stayed the course. Therefore, since we, you and I, which makes us accountable, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the faith of our mothers and our fathers, our grandmothers and our grandfathers, all those who have gone before us, all of those, we stand on their shoulders. And so since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us me and you throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. My brothers and my sisters, as I get ready to close, I'm simply saying to you that you and I are in a privileged position in our lives today. We can spend the whole time complaining about what we don't have or what we do want or even with the things that we do have which might not be good enough. We have young people that are so entitled thinking that everything should just be handed to them. No one wants to work for anything. All of a sudden, we've got all of these reasons now that we are so gifted by God that God can't do anything in this world without us. My brothers and my sisters, the devil is a liar and he always will be a liar. There are some things in life Life that you must go through whether you like it or not there are some things in life that do not come just because you want it there are some things in life that you have to work for some things in life so we have to run with perseverance even when we feel like giving up I love my children dearly I love them dearly and I will do anything for my children and I will work as hard as I can to make sure that they get everything that they need. And even if they don't appreciate it, still doesn't stop me from doing what is required. Why? Because I love them with an everlasting love. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. For you and for me, he went to the cross because no matter, no matter how much we've turned our backs on him, no matter how much we have, we have disgraced his name and profaned his name, no matter how much times we sit at the lunch counter and we deny him, no matter how much time we turn our backs on him, still he holds out his hand and he says, you are welcome. That's what they, saw, they sang in the song, Lord, you are welcome. 
in this place. Send your anointing in this place. Lord, heal and deliver in this place. God is in the business of loving his people even when his people no longer loves him. So I don't know what you're hearing me say, but I'm simply saying when the going gets tough, stay the course. When things seem to be falling apart around you, stay the course. When you feel like all hell is breaking loose, stay the course. And the way you stay the course is not thinking about, oh, I want to get mine. The way you stay the course is that this is bigger than you and I. And I'm telling you that you don't have what it takes to stay the course. That's why Jesus came. He came because he knows that not one of you here could keep his commandments, could do right, would want to do the right things. All of us have fallen short of God's glory. Our righteousness, the prophet tells us, is as but filthy rags. There is nothing so wonderful. I mean, you're nice, but there's nothing wonderful about you. At least, I'm just saying, you're still nice. But I want you to understand that God saw our shortcomings and he saw our inability to do what it is that he requires of us. And because he saw that, he decided to do it himself. And then have you and I come under it. So when I say you can't stay the course on your own, the text tells us, the text gives us the clue. It says, let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. In other words, every one of you are on a path, a track. And your tracks are crooked and meandering. Sometimes you're going through wildernesses and deserts in your lives. Sometimes there are seasons when things are just dry and nothing's going on. And you feel like giving up. It's in those moments that we say, don't stop running. But fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer. And watch the words carefully. The what? The perfecter of faith. It's subtle in the text. It's subtle in the text, but I hope you see it. I began by telling you that without faith, it is impossible to please God. But our faith is, 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 is weak. It, it, it's, not, it's, not, it's not good enough. So when you fix your eyes on Jesus, he perfects our faith. And when he perfects our faith, it makes it possible for us to run the race with endurance and not give up. You stay the course because Jesus is what? He is your running buddy. And he's running right next to you. And when you feel like in those days when you fall down, he doesn't keep running. He stops. He picks you up. But the thing that I love most about Jesus is that he says, this race is way too hard for you. I, 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 I want you to win, but I don't want to keep, you, keep seeing you fall. He puts you on his back. And he runs the race. And the beautiful thing is, just before you get to the end of the race, Jesse, you say, Lord, I feel strong enough to run. So he goes, you sure? I go, yeah, Lord, I feel strong enough to run. And he puts you down, and you start running. But here's the beauty of the Christian. 
Because you know what he did for you by carrying you. You then look to your left. You look to your right. And you notice your neighbor is down. And you say, Jesus, I got this one. And so you now pick somebody up. And you start running. And Jesus goes, that's my disciple. You see, all of us are responsible for each other. So that's why we pray for each other in the church. Because it's our way of saying, when you are down, I'll pick you up. And I'll lift you up. And that's why we say there's no shame in this church. We are our brothers and our sisters keepers. And the Bible says how we treat those in the household of faith. That's how the world will know that you are indeed my disciples. This is what God promised to every one of us. That he will bless you and keep you. Pick you up when you're down. So that you now can bless and pick someone else up when they are down. That's what we believe in this church. And that's what we will do as long as I'm the pastor in this pulpit. Amen? So, so I want to encourage someone who might be feeling like this race is just a little too hard for me. Be not dismayed. There is hope. Jesus is our hope. Because even as a pastor, let me be clear, there are days, I'm, I'm going to be real honest with you all today. So I was struggling with this message. If you notice, I spent most of the message walking away, talk, walking away from the pulpit, right? I was struggling last night with this message, trying to figure out, God, you know, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? Whatever, whatever. So even when I said to you before and I talked about God's strength being made perfect in your weakness, I got to the point where I said, you know what? I'm just going to let God say whatever he wants to say. Forget about what I wrote on my manuscript. I'm just going to talk to the people about faith. The story is not in my manuscript that I told. All of that was me just saying to you, I'm surrendered to God. And I'm, I, he can just use me. Why? Because even though I was feeling like I didn't have what I needed and wasn't as prepared as I'd like to be, I still showed up. And I still stayed the course. See, that's faith. Faith is when you feel like giving up. God says, you will reach your expected end. There's a place you're going to get to. I have a job that's better than the one you applied for. Stay the course. Because I know better what you need than what you think you want. God is in the business of blessing his saints. And God is in the business of loving you. So if you are here today and you're feeling a little discouraged, we want to pray for you. Before we do that, right, as you all stand at this time and as we prepare to leave, if you've never asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart for yourself, if you've never actually done that, then all of what I've said doesn't really, is not really applicable to you and it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to you because you need to come to Jesus in faith.